I've spent 10,000 hours winning t-shirts at sushi restaurants. And here's what I've learned. The Anthony Carboni story. This is We Have Concerns. <laughs> Hi, Jeff Kanata. Hi, Anthony Carboni. Hello, concerned citizens. Anthony Space. We talk As, about it a lot. Yeah, we're, we are enamored of it. We know yeah. that it wants us dead. Oh, and it yet, definitely wants us dead. And yet, I still want to kiss it. Yeah. I know yes. it's the assassin sent to kill me. I know it's probably, I know it's probably here to end my life. And yet, the it's allure. It's always there, always beckoning. I well, want to tango sexily with space. Well, let's talk about how we get there. How we get there for decades now. We've gotten there pretty much one way. Up. We explode <laughs> as much fuel as possible. As much fuel as it takes to break through our atmosphere out into, into suborbit and orbit. And uh, it's, a, it's a pretty... Pretty messy process, pretty uh, lossy, pretty mm -hmm. expensive, pretty bad for the environment. All that jet fuel just, I mean, we can all imagine in our heads the, the launch of a rocket. We've seen those sure. NASA videos of just the incredible amount of, of but here's what we know, fire Jeff. and smoke. So yes, much fire, so much smoke. But here's what we know, Jeff. Number one, it works. It does. Number two, it's one of the only thing that works because take a lot of force, a lot of energy to escape the pull of gravity, the Earth's atmosphere, and get out there into the death tango that is space. Yeah, that's right. Before we even get, get to our death tango, before we even start worrying about how space wants to kill us, it's just, it's hard to get up into that space. It's hard to get up out of bed. Imagine going to space. Yeah, exactly. What if I told you, Anthony, that there is one company that is attempting to get rid of all that pesky fuel explosions and just throw stuff into space. Just toss it into space. Like a pumpkin chunkin. Like a pumpkin chunkin. It's the pumpkin chunkin of aerospace is really what it is. You son of a bitch, I'm in. Where do I, <laughs> where do I give my money? This, this can't possibly be dumb. No, there's nothing dumb about this. In fact, this, this is one of the coolest things I have read in quite a while. And it was posted on our Discord, which you can get exclusive access to by becoming a patron over at patreon.com slash we have concerns. Uh, this was posted on the, uh, the science news channel by Mark No Name Nuffer. Uh, thank you, Mark. Thanks, Sorry Mark. about that no nickname thing. But uh, no, that is, is his nickname. It's no nickname. That's his, his nickname his, is no his nickname. nickname. Is no nickname. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. it's a great nickname. Okay. Good I'm enough. I'm incredible at nicknaming people. Sure. Sure. All right. So this is a company called Spin Launch. It's based in Long Beach, California, and the news item that all the Mark best stuff is <laughs> the news item that Mark pointed us toward is. Uh, the fact that they have just completed their 10th test flight <gasps> of their suborbital accelerator system. That means this their next test launch is free. That, that's my understanding. That's, <laughs> they, they have a little card and every time they punch yeah. it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is a one third scale version of the thing they 
eventually plan to make. So this is the suborbital version, the actual one that was going to toss satellites and stuff into orbit is going to be uh, three times as big. This is, this is a 33 meter in diameter object. They're going to make a 100 meter one. Okay. So they haven't done it yet, but their, their, their 10th test launch uh, has been a, su- a success. This was the first uh, launch that they've uh, partnered with any outside groups. They partnered with NASA and uh, Cornell and Airbus. Uh, all of these partners uh, were allowed to put stuff into the rocket to make sure that it wasn't damaged. They had all these sensors and stuff that they put in there. So outside third parties that were you know, disinterested in, in the uh, financial benefits of this company mm-hmm. uh, put stuff in there to see, hey, is this, is this stuff going to be damaged by the, the process of throwing it into space? And it turns out, uh, according to Spin Launch's press release, uh, big success, no damage or very little damage or negligible damage. Uh, so this happened on September 27th, 2022, this 10th launch. And this, there's a, we see a picture of it if you're watching our video version. This thing is totally awesome as far as I'm concerned. Just, I am. It looks, it looks like a, just a wheel with a tube coming out of the top of it. Yep. And I would imagine the wheel spins stuff up and just chucks something into space through the tube. That's exactly right. That can't it be is it. A that, big, this cannot be the technology we're talking about right now. It's so rad, dude. It's so rad. <laughs> it's literally, it's literally a centrifuge. It's it's a it's a big disc with an arm in the middle that you stick the rocket at the end of. And it spins it around, and then it gets going so fast, 5,000 miles per hour, and then it just lets it go, and it shoots it out the top. I mean, it's literally grab your your little sibling by the arms, spin them around, and then let them go. Wait, but it gets, it can't get all the way to space. Oh, yeah, buddy. No, That's, I mean, the, the one third, this is suborbital, right? So the third scale version doesn't get to space. It gets into suborbit, but the eventual uh, one that they, they plan to build by 2026 will. Uh, they could have so, stabilized this GoPro footage. I'll tell you that much. There's, <laughs> we're watching footage of this launch. Then they, they attached a camera to whatever the payload was. And it's just, they're just letting it spin. And I am not liking it. It got to 30,000 feet, uh, which is the, the one-third scale one. Uh, this is the 33-meter diameter suborbital mass accelerator, they call it. Um, okay. This is the prototype for the 100-meter orbital launch version that they're going to do by 2026. And it, it, I, I think the idea of this is awesome. It's literally like, let's just chuck something into space. So what they say it will do is reduce, it will use 30% of the amount of jet fuel that you would assume is needed for comparable launches for SpaceX or, okay. you know, these, these companies that launch satellites into space for you. There's a bunch of companies, private companies that'll, you know, launch satellites into space for various reasons. Sure. And they use rockets and they shoot a lot of jet fuel and 90% of the weight of the rocket that they're shooting into space is the fuel. You're literally 
you know, you've seen anybody listening has seen, uh, you know, shots of a, uh, a NASA space launch where the thing will, it will shoot all this, all this fire up into space. And at a certain point, it'll, it'll eject that casing off and then have a smaller section that goes farther into space. Well, it's because all of that larger section was just there to hold fuel to shoot it up out of the atmosphere yeah. to fight gravity. Okay. So this is going to use 30% of that fuel to spin up this arm. My question is, to get to space, yes. how fast, how how much force is required to chuck something up into low orbit? A lot. <laughs> A lot. So they're going to... Because this is not, gonna, you know, I'm picturing, you, you know, like a like a like a sling, you know what I mean? So I'm spinning a string and uh, around it is, is, is the payload of rocks. Right. Yep. And yes. then I, I let go, but I have to spin this thing up so fast to send the rocks flying. Yeah. What does it take to spin something up so fast they're, that it goes to orbit? It, they're going to spin it up to Mach six, which is basically two kilometers per second. That's faster. That's one faster than Speed Racer's car. <laughs> that is. Or, that is. Or if you're a fan of the Wachowski movie, which I am, it's the car that he finally wins the World Grand Prix with. I mean, spoilers, but yeah. So this is, it, it's going to reach 10,000 Gs, which <sighs> is 10,000 times greater force than its own weight. So this is never, this is clearly never going to be something. This is only for certain types of payloads because we're talking about such an amount of crushing force. Like obviously you, you know, most mechanical equipment that has to go up into space is is built pretty fucking tough. I would imagine that, you know, these satellites are meant to withstand that, but certainly we're never sending up uh, uh, delicate experimental payloads. We're not sending up any kind of uh, living things with this because they'll they'll do it dead. Well, definitely no living things. This isn't going to ha- be how astronauts get to space any anytime. I think soon. we should you, just you chuck would... an astronaut up into space. <laughs> if the astronauts think they're so cool, <laughs> if the astronauts think they're so cool and tough and smart and so much better than the rest of us, why yeah. won't they let us just throw them into space? This why... feels like the the goofy from Mickey Mouse Club uh, version. You know, like why, that's the, why are you not willing if you're such a cool astronaut to wahoo hoo hui? Exactly. Get goofy. Get goofy, astronauts. Uh, no, no human George being would, Keith did it. And he's no a single human, father with no education who's just doing his best. Yeah. But he's got more heart than all of you astronauts. <laughs> Fucking idiots. Well, Get you would be surprised. There, there's a, a there's a great YouTube video uh, from the uh, Real Engineering uh, YouTube uh, uh, channel. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're they're huge YouTube channel. I enjoy, and they did a, a piece on this. And uh, according to Spin Launch, which is the name of this company, uh, there they have had a lot of success with only very minimal changes to the payloads. That yes, some of the payloads do have to have uh, you know, components swapped out or epoxy on certain things, but they describe 
uh, one that was had like a thing sticking up like a quarter of an inch uh, protrusion. They're like, oh, that's going to get completely ripped off by our thing. And it came out and it was just slightly bent. And they're like, oh, my gosh. And they, the guys, the engineers described having to relearn what they expect yeah. from how much damage this was due. So that's a big part of this 10th uh, trial was to have other companies put stuff into the rocket and figure out you know, how much, how big of a problem it's going to be. And I think they've been pleasantly surprised, at least according to their marketing. So this is like, I've talked about this incredible game that we used to play as children before, which is push a, push a guy in a box down a hill. Yeah. And let me, let me tell you something about push a guy in a box down a hill. It's a fucking great game. (laughs) All the rules are right there in the title. Yeah. You, it's really, it's easy to play. Yeah. It's fun to do. Everybody the, has a good time. The onboarding is so quick. It's really, it's, there's not much, there's not much that you need to know. But here's what yeah. I'll tell you about push a guy in a box down a hill. We found out very early on and we were scared to do this because the guy in the box didn't want to do it. <laughs> Whoever the guy in the box was, none of us wanted to try it. I believe yeah. it was David Ganzikoffer, the bravest of us all, who finally decided to try. He was our he was our Chuck Yeager in this instance. Sure, sure, sure. And David Ganzikoffer agreed to volunteer to be taped into the box. So oh the boy. box would be taped shut. Sa- safety first. Well, this is the thing, Jeff. By taping the box shut, we were able to push a guy in a box down a hill <laughs> at double the speeds and double the flips that we oh, have yeah. ever been able to do simply with a minimal change to the mm. box. And I yeah. feel like this is what you're saying is it feels very dangerous, but in reality, there's only a minor change that needs to be made. Exactly. That, was David ever the same after playing the game? David was, wasn't was the same before the game, baby. <laughs> fair, fair he enough, was that kid. Enough. If you know what I mean. Kid. Chuck Yeager. Um, so the actual details of how they pull this off to me are mind blowing. So first of all, in order to sustain that kind of insane force, that uh, centripetal pu- force that you're pulling on the end of this thing, because you've stuck a rocket, you've stuck a rocket on the end of a big rod inside this circular no, diameter that's centrifuge. not what it is yes it's a giant rod and you stick the rocket on the end of it and you spin it around 5000 miles per hour this is not a bugs bunny rocket on a string situation i'm telling you that's exactly what it is that I'm can't be what's a- inside that wheel that can't be science yes that simply that cannot is the be best engineering way to do this that's the best way to do this and so they're trying to uh, the idea here the is the best they way to catch be a roadrunner. Do... I'll tell you that much. It is. This, oh, by the way, this is the Acme company we're talking about. No, this is Spin Launch and a division. They want to have these rockets. The rocket payloads mm-hmm. weigh up to ten tons. Okay. Okay. So if you're going to launch something that is ten tons into the in, in, into orbit. It is going to need to be because uh, 10,000 Gs means it's 10,000 times greater force than weight. If you're going for 10 tons, then your arm has to be able to hold on to 100,000 metric tons. It has to be able to 
grip a hundred, sustain the force of a hundred thousand metric tons. This is why the coyote could never get it done. (laughs) Exactly. This is why the coyote could never get it done. Yeah. That's an engineering, that's an insurmountable engineering problem. This is, Jeff, this sounds so stupid. I think this sounds brilliant. No, I mean, it is, but it's stupid. This is like, this might be the first Brock situation we've had in a long time (laughs) where it's like, chuck it into the air, dude. Dude, what we do is we, what if instead of launching the rocket from a big open area that's controlled and has plenty of space for the controlled explosion, we put the rocket in a can and we shake it around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it gets real fast and then we let it out of the can. That's got to be probably better space. Yeah. Like I can throw this baseball at you, but if I did like a super duper throw where I spin around first, it's going to come at you so much faster. Oh my God. It is. It's, this, is, this is a grade schooler doing their special pitch. Yeah. Super special pitch coming right at you. It's not my son thinks. You put more, you know, more on a ball. Um, so the details of how they pull this off, because you go, yeah, this is dumb. And then you start thinking about it and you go, wait, that's not easy no. to have something. So 100,000 metric tons is the equivalent of 182 Falcon 9s. The Falcon 9 is the rocket that SpaceX shoots up into the right. atmosphere. So this is... You need to have something that could hold on to the equivalent of 182 of those rockets. My brain cannot figure out how this winds up using less fuel. This feels <laughs> well, so complex. Well, because it uses, it uses zero fuel to start. You know, the 30% that it's using is the secondary thrusters. So it's basically, it's going to chuck it into orbit. And then at a certain point, it'll lose its outer shell and it'll be only the payload. Yeah. And the outer shell is there just to protect it for, from this whole process. The outer shell is carbon fiber. It falls away. And then it's got 30% of the uh, fuel of a normal rocket is used to, you know, position it in space. That's the secondary thrusters. So what is the fuel? What is powering this gigantic arm? And how do they get this gigantic arm to move fast enough? It's electricity. I've never heard of it. Let me get to that first. I've never heard of it. Because we're building, so we're building something that needs to, Hold okay. on to Because in my the head, this rocket was already firing when it's on the arm. And there's just, the, no, no, this no. rocket was just exploding in a tube in a can. I see what you were thinking. No, 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 no. I, 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 I appreciate that misunderstanding. That does sound, seem logical that it was just like shooting its rocket fuel and spinning super yeah, fast. And no, it's no, just, no. I picture like a Marvin the Martian style, like there's a hand holding onto it. <laughs> and it's just, the rocket is launching and the hand is spinning around. And then the hand yeah. just lets go. No, you you thought of it like uh, lighting a bottle rocket, but you still have a piece of string on it. And so it's it's trying to go, but it can't. And it's yes. just spinning around and around and around. Yeah. Yes. No, that's not what happens. Like when we they used to literally, literally shoot bottle rockets at each other. <laughs> right. No, this is literally a, a, a rocket with no jet fuel shooting out the back at all. Okay. Stuck to an arm that is, it's basically- It's the Gravitron. Used, it's Gravitron. Yes. It's basically the same technology that uh, giant um, wind turbines that do, you know, um, wind energy. You, you, mm-hmm. you know, you're driving through the- the mountains and you see, you know, these big, huge wind turbines, these massive things spinning around, you know, it, it's that, it's the same kind of 
tech that they're using. Yeah. Um, it, but it's a motor pushing that wheel, that, okay. that arm around faster and faster and faster. Dude, that's so, got to be a crazy powerful motor. Yes. But they're using basically off-the-shelf stuff. This is a big, huge industrial motors, but they're they're possible. So, but for, before we get there, I have to tell you about the arm. Okay. Because as I've said, 100,000 metric tons, that's like, what can hold on to that? Well, it's carbon fiber. And what they're building at this spin launch company- I was going to guess Henry Cavill. They, he was busy, unfortunately. Yeah. But- could have worked. Could have worked. Seen, you seen the fucking guns on that guy? You remember when he was in Mission Impossible and he and he cocks and reloads his fists? Ugh, so cool. And, and, he's, and he's a nerd too. I love Henry Cavill. I'm telling you. The there's Witcher. nothing this guy can't do. He probably worked on this. He probably did work on this. Um, so th- they've built these massive carbon fiber rods that can can withstand this amount of of force that can, that can, that won't break. And what they have created is the single strongest tensile structure on earth. Are you telling me? It literally has more tensile strength than anything ever that has existed on earth. Are you telling me that for this space mission, we can thank this inanimate carbon rod? (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) Fucking hell. So how so, so they built this thing, this rod that's the arm, is carbon carbon fiber, and you said it's the has the highest tensile strength of anything on Earth. Yes, stronger than anything. Yes, specifically the one they are making. Like how that, did they even come up with that? Thing. Well, it goes into it on. Uh, I would recommend people that the math and stuff that we won't get into the nitty gritty on. Uh, yeah. If you're if you're interested, I definitely recommend checking out the Real Engineering YouTube channel because they, they go into the the equations of this stuff. Uh, but yeah, they 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 talk about how they fabricate this carbon fiber, and it's incredible. Like the 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 thickness and the the weight, the heft of this thing is extraordinary, and it is the strongest. Pencil thing, like it won't break. It won't break under a hundred thousand metric tons at the end of it. We gotta right? make everything out of this arm. I'm telling you. No, I'm, I'm I'm sorry. I know that I'm doing a Jerry Seinfeld bit right now, but I'm serious. <laughs> now that they've created this, I feel like they have to be making more than the arm out of this. They probably patented this. Why aren't we make we gotta make everything out of this arm? Well, it's not th- this this method of creating carbon fiber is not new, nor it is, nor is it unique to them. They're just doing it at a scale that no one has ever done before. They're just layering on enough of this stuff to create the biggest, most, you know, the strongest version of this thing. Make everything they, they out show, of like, it. These little thin sheets that are extremely, yeah. extremely strong. That's got to be doing it at a scale. That's got to be so wildly expensive. I think about the cost of carbon fiber. And like the cost of fabricating things out of carbon fiber. And I can't imagine what the cost of this arm was to fabricate. Get this. They talk about that and how this one third scale version, the bigger one's going to be much more expensive. But the the one third scale version that they're testing now, they did, they built for less than $2 million with 10 people. Crazy. They they did it in a cave with scraps. (laughs) It's crazy. It's crazy. Okay. So. So we've got our arm. It's extremely strong. It can hold on to this thing at the speed of 5,000 miles per hour, right? Yeah. It can hold it can hold 10 metric tons at 5,000 miles per hour under 10,000 Gs of force. That is already amazing. 
we got more problems, okay? Because if you move something that fast in through the air, aerodynamic heating obliterates it. You, you will, it will create so much heat moving something that fast in a small chamber that it's, it becomes impossible. So, so they, they have to do it. They have they, to do it in they, a vacuum. They gave up. They went home. <laughs> they said, fuck no. it. They have to create a vacuum. So this, this giant 33 meter now, but going to be a hundred meter yeah. circular centrifuge. This thing, for anybody who's like wondering, this thing to me looks like, it looks like a, a garden hose dispenser wheel, kind yes, of. Yes, exactly. But, yes. It's, but it's all covered up and the hose can only come out of one tube at the top. Yep. That's mm-hmm. what it looks like. And so I thought that the that the housing it looks was like a big number six. Yeah. I thought the housing was probably there to protect everybody. It was probably there for safety reasons. That probably is some of it. But it also has to be a total vacuum. Yes. So... Because if there's any atmosphere in there at all, the molecules of the atmosphere will will, just, will heat up and destroy the inside of this thing. So How they have to maintain this. Why doesn't meter... it explode the moment it comes shooting out of the tube? Well, that's a very good question, Anthony. So it's super important that they maintain the vacuum after this thing shoots out. So how do they do that? Well, they developed a two-stage airlock system on the tube. The the the, the bullet chamber, the tube that it's shooting up out of has this two stage, these doors that close that one opens, it goes in and one closes. It has to do it so fast because this rocket is being shot up out of the top of this thing that they created a double door airlock that closes in 30 milliseconds. The doors slam shut in 30 milliseconds. That's, that's two frames. <laughs> that's less, that's two frames of a video game. Yeah. They show it in the video too. It, it just goes, and it's like the loudest banging. It's crazy. So the, they'll do two of those doors because if any of the atmosphere gets in, we got problems. We got big, right. big, big problems. So they have to maintain that 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 vacuum, which also means they load the the payload in the rocket itself in in a vacuum as well to to make make it so you don't like repressurize and depressurize right. and all that stuff. This yeah. massive area they have this like ancillary chamber where they load the payload and then create a vacuum and then put it in the vacuum so that it's all easy. So my dumb brain. Wants to know, we've got this two-stage airlock, right? This thing yeah. is flying out. It's flying at this speed that's like this crazy speed. If, if there's any air, the friction will it'll melt into a whatever. Yeah. How much, I guess, I guess, how much does it slow down between the tube and the airlock to where hitting the actual atmosphere to get thrown? Do you know what I mean? Like, why doesn't it explode yeah. the moment it leaves the airlock? Well, it, 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 it does start slowing down and the, yeah. there's equations for all that, right? It's basically like shooting a bullet out of a gun. Yeah. You know, it, it, it starts slowing down immediately as it hits and, you know, fighting against gravity, but. So they just works, have, right. Right. So they just have this tube measured to the exact length 
to where the yes. speed has slowed just enough to where this thing doesn't destroy itself. Exactly. And in fact, in the third That's scale version- bonkers. It's bonkers, dude. The whole thing is bonkers. In the third scale version, they only have one of the two door airlock, the double door airlock things. The second layer, it's just the first layer because it's it's smaller. And so it's, I guess, you know, it's not as, it's it doesn't need to have the double situation. The secondary thing is literally just sheets of mylar. So when they show you the video of the third scale one, the one that they've been testing, it like, it comes bursting out of this mylar covering. Oh, happy it's birthday. Like ripping out of it. It's, it's, it's so rad looking. It's, it's really cool. Dude, this is wild. Okay, so there's more problems. There's more problems. So you're spinning something 5,000 miles an hour and then you let go of the thing and you shoot it out the top, right? Yes. Well, what happens when you're spinning something that fast that is balanced to have something that's 10 tons on the one end and then all of a sudden it's not holding 10 tons anymore? It's uh, out of balance. Yeah, when you when you spin around real fast and you let go of the other kid, you go flying backwards and you trip over. Exactly. Big problems, mm. right? So if you let go of the 10-ton rocket, your thing's going to start breaking. It's going to, it's out of balance and it, it, it's going that fast. It's going to completely disintegrate and it's going to blow itself up inside. Right. So Indiana Jones style. They swap out the rocket for something else that weighs 10 tons. Well, imperceptibly. And then, then they start slowing it down. You're not too far off. I know. I'm brilliant. It's just, it's just the inverse of that. The current way they're doing this, <laughs> the current way they're doing this is they just have a counterweight on the other end of the arm that also is released. And they have an armored section inside the centrifuge, an armored wall, and it releases this weight and it slams into the wall. And what they're doing right now is they built the weight out of fiberglass. So it just hits the wall and goes boom. <laughs> it just completely explodes. This is just a, this feels like, this feels like the junior high science club with unlimited money. Do you know, know what I mean? Right? This feels so like audacious. some, this feels I like some it. kids that are like, did you ever do Odyssey the Mind? I, had, I did Odyssey the Mind in junior high, which is like, they would bring a bunch of kids, you would volunteer for Odyssey the Mind and they'd bring a bunch of kids and they'd be like, you have 14 toothpicks and one sheet of paper and you right. have to build a structure that lets this egg fall three stories. Right, right. And yeah. you have an hour to solve do the it. Problem. And every yeah, yeah. solve and all these different schools would compete. That was like Odyssey of the Mind. This feels like Odyssey of the Mind with like unlimited budget. This is just like, well, what if we throw it up into the sky? Oh, well, it looks like we throw it up into the sky. It burns up. Okay, well, what if we suck all the air out of the bag? All right, well, let's yeah. suck it. You know what I mean? It's just like <laughs> Yes. It's so crazy because the the solutions are they seem so simple. Mm-hmm. But I mean, they they hide a complexity in in execution. But like the idea is, oh, okay, well, we lose we we lose uh, all this mass by shooting the rocket off. What do we need to do? Well, we need to lose more mass. All right, let's just throw some mass off and let it explode inside the thing. So it gets even better than this, though. What do they do with all that fiberglass? Well, that's the problem. They're like, this is messy. It's untenable. Our goal, their goal, Anthony, is to do five launches per day. That's too this much fiberglass. Re- 
reusable. Yeah, you'd never be able to clean all the fiberglass out between it. They said they can do potentially up to 10 launches in a day, which a side note, sidebar shows you how often we're shooting stuff into space. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that that's a tenable a goal for, or a, 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 you know, something you would might need just this industrially. Is, this is know? something that we've talked about. I don't know that we've ever done a, like a full episode on it. And I'm sure the, I'm sure the uh, concerned citizens will let us know if we have, but we've talked about the amount of space junk and satellites that are just floating around out there. It's, it's, crazy. it's an intense, it's an insane number of satellites. Like, the, the, like, Hey, we can shoot every, every day we can put five more things into the, into orbit. That's and we nuts. need to, we need, we to. need to, and there's demand. It's crazy. Okay, so because they, they want to do it that way, here's the solution. Here's the solution to replace the fiberglass. This is what they're literally talking about doing. Putting. A second rocket. We shoot one out, one half rotation later, we shoot another one out. And they say that the because it's going so fast, the amount of time to get to a half rotation isn't enough that it'll cause a problem. So, so it, it, keeps, like, so it keeps grabbing new rockets until they launch 10 of them. And then after the 10th one, they smash some fiberglass. No, no, no. You just do them in pairs. You have one end of your rod with a rocket and the other end of your rod with a rocket. As long as they weigh the same, it'll shoot one out and then a half rotation later, shoot a second one out. And And now it's balanced again because they were both, it's lost the same amount of weight on either side. Oh my God. (laughs) But then- how do we smash a ton of fiberglass? Well, that's, this is replacing smashing the fiberglass. No, There's, no, no. You, you're not hearing me. I got two goals here. <laughs> I want to I fire a rocket, but I also want to see 10 tons of fiberglass explode. Yeah. Like, I want well, two, I want two will... cool things. <laughs> two cool things. Yeah. <laughs> I want two different so, cool things. Okay, so you asked about energy. So it takes evidently about 100 megawatts to to launch one of these rockets uh, into suborbit or into orbit eventually. Okay. They're saying 100 megawatts, which is the equivalent. They say 60 to 70 megawatts is like 100 Teslas, you know, driving. Mm-hmm. Not, not a, for not how a ton. long? It, 100 uh, Teslas driving for question. how long? Admit, he, he said it was about 100 Teslas, but I don't know if, what that means. Like just, just start to go to 60. I don't know. He didn't. Yeah. He wasn't. He said 700 but, megawatts? So one, no, 100, 100 megawatts, megawatts is what, what it costs. That, that's the equivalent of eight tons of rocket fuel. Okay. And similar sized rockets to what they're putting into space weigh about 12.5 tons. So, and, and 90, 90 to 95% of that is rocket fuel. So they're basically, you know, it's, it's replacing, you know, the entire payload of rocket fuel in these equivalent rockets with electricity. Okay. So it, they're, they're saying that the energy cost would be about $6,000 of just pure electricity per launch, which is that's like, extraordinarily low. That's like nothing. And then, and then, but they still have rocket fuel as well. Yeah. It has a, the, for, for when it gets into orbit yeah. and needs to do the secondary stuff. So, yes. so they take away 70% of the cost of the rocket fuel, which the rocket fuel has got to yeah. be, well, God, what? how much does rocket fuel even cost? Like, that's got to be insane. Like, No, but they're, they're saying that their, their uh, cost per, per kilogram of putting stuff into space is like $2,500, uh, which compared to SpaceX or somebody, they're more than double, triple that. So, okay. So, so we're looking at 
we're looking at something, it says here a total of about $900,000 for uh, a SpaceX to put, to put fuel into a SpaceX reusable rocket. Yeah. $900,000. Um, yeah. And, and spin, spin launch says they will offer their service of launching your satellite into space. Their goal is to offer that service for half a million dollars. So right now we can assume that if they're using, that if SpaceX is using $900,000 uh, worth of fuel, that means that these guys are using a, a little over a quarter of a million dollars worth of fuel per rocket, plus yeah, the 6,000 bucks. So they're, they are operating at $276,000 versus the 900000 that SpaceX is just using for fuel and yeah. not other launch costs. It's crazy. And, and everything they have is reusable. They've already had tests where well, they shoot I mean, the rocket up. Not that fiberglass. Well, not the fiberglass. <laughs> but that's what I said. They're, they're trying to move away from the fiberglass. But the, all the carbon fiber, the, the rocket itself, they've had them uh, just, they just had it l- l- fall to earth after shooting it up into suborbit without any mitigation. And it, they've had to dig it out of like, like they had to dig down like six to eight meters in the ground because it landed in the ground. But it was fine. It's because it's, it's wrapped in carbon fiber. It's like, it's all fine. It's amazing. And they uh, plan to have parachutes and stuff to even mitigate that further. This is wild. It's awesome. And the cooler thing about the energy thing is they do 100 megawatts, but they're going to have regenerative braking Mm -hmm. so that when the the thing, you know, spins down, it actually generates electrical energy again. It, you know, it stores the energy in kinetic energy when it's spinning. And then as it spins down, it will actually pay back some of that energy cost. Wow. That's kind of, that's pretty amazing, dude. It's, I, I saw this and I was like, that's goofy, which is kind of what your reaction was. And then you read into it and you go, this is utterly brilliant. Yeah, this is, this is insane. So a hundred, a hundred megawatts, they're saying powers about a hundred thousand houses with a hundred megawatts. Per day, that's a hundred thousand houses. So it's still using a lot of electricity. But if it's using regenerative, Jeez. if it's using regenerative braking, and it's using you know solar or other clean or other clean sources to to sort of help them use some of that energy or offset some of that energy. Yeah. I mean, and still electricity is. Even if you're even if you're talking about nuclear electricity from a nuclear plant, it's still, in all honesty, cleaner than shooting fucking methane gas. Yes, <laughs> burning rocket fuel, an obscene amount of rocket fuel to get a rocket into space. Yeah, I mean this is this is pretty revolutionary. Uh, no pun intended. Hey, it, it is. It, 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 they say that it, it, it rotates inside at about 450 times per minute to get to that velocity. <sighs> it's just spinning the, the ever-living shit out of a, a rocket and then letting go of it and shooting. It, it, and, it, and it's basically a bullet. They, they, they talk about how um, the, uh, the, the entire structure of the thing it can be different. It doesn't need all of the, um, you know, all of the, the kinds of shielding that you get on mm-hmm. space shuttles and stuff to get back in reentry because, um, 
it's just dealing with with heat differently. They have this, the rocket has like a copper and aluminum uh, bimetal cone at the front okay. that that absorbs the heat energy and distributes it down the shaft of this huge rocket. And so they don't need all of the like cooling and and uh, insulation that you get on those panels that yeah. that are super brittle and super prone to um, prone to to error and and oh yeah need to be and replaced. I mean, have you ever seen like the ceramic shielding on a on a space shuttle when it comes back into comes back into Earth and how much of it is like charred yeah. and like busted off and stuff and that ceramic yeah. shielding is like crazy expensive because it's super brittle because it has to be it has to be you know really uh, low weight and, mm-hmm. and high surface area. They just don't have any of those problems. They're just doing things completely differently. Now, you say it shoots out like a bullet. And then you also did say that when they had to get this, I'm going to call it the carcass, when they had to retrieve <laughs> the carcass of the rocket ship yeah, and they found it buried nine meters underground, I guess my question is, they shoot it straight up. What's the What's the radius where like, Hey man, don't stand here bullet falling from space. <laughs> well, yeah, they they definitely only build these in very uh remote locations. Yeah. They talk about that. Um so yeah, I mean, I, I guess they, they I mean they have the the trajectory mapped, right? They know exactly the trajectory of this thing because it's all math. They can yeah. tell you exactly based on the they know the pretty much where it's the, gonna come down. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So they you know, they they just <laughs> make sure that's not around any Anything they want to not be obliterated by a falling bullet. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. We don't want like a dead like me pilot situation going on. <laughs> yeah, it's not final destination. No, over here, we're not. You know? We're not in the Brian Fuller verse. Uh, <laughs> I, I think this is so cool. I, I right? It's the low. It's the low techness of it all that makes me happy. Mm-hmm. It's the. It, I think we're in a and and I don't know whether that's because we're in a space now with environmental and and capitalistic and economic concerns where i genuinely distrust anything that feels bloated corporate high tech like even right now i'm a big believer in nasa you know i love i love it but right now i'm sort of like well i understand why we're not giving a lot of money to nasa right now like now is not the time to give a lot of money to nasa you know yeah. uh yeah. now is not the time i don't want them to be giving a lot of money to spacex or anything like that i'm like as much as i love space exploration uh i feel like we got a lot of busted stuff that we need to take care of especially after the last few years so there's right. something about like a small team making something that's inexpensive reusable that yeah. accomplishes this very high tech goal that's part of our infrastructure that we cannot get rid of now. Like we need to launch satellites into space. We need to figure out a better way to do it. And we need to figure out a better way to use fewer satellites for everything yeah, uh, because of the right. amount of space junk. But right now for our infrastructure, for the way the world works, we need all these satellites in space or most of them. So we have to find a way to get it. And I just love the idea of like, yeah, man, we made a big ass rubber band. <laughs> Do you want to use our, do you want to use our big ass rubber band? Well, what do you need? Do you need to put a satellite up? Me and Dave will do it. We'll do it for 20 bucks. <laughs> yeah. Like there's something just I just love about it. Chuck it. it it's so cool. It, it's the idea of, you know, we really could, if we just spin, spin this around fast enough, we could chuck something that's 10 tons into space. Just spin it around, that's dog. crazy. Listen, listen, NASA's yeah. going to charge you like a million dollars for this. Dave yeah. and I'll do it. Yeah. Dave and I'll spin it's, it real good. We'll just chuck it up there. 
Is this the same Dave that went down the hill in a box? Yeah, but he's the guy that invented the tape of the box. Oh, sweet, sweet. He's got great ideas. He's got great ideas. We'll do it. (laughs) (laughs) What could could possibly go wrong? (laughs) Nothing. Only one kid ever hurt themselves. Well, badly. (laughs) And it's Dave. (laughs) I think it was David, if I'm honest. I remember like one of one somebody sprained an ankle playing playing push sure. a guy in a I mean, box. That seems like the least of what nobody can remember all the concussions. No, that's the thing about concussions. As long as you live through them, you don't remember them, and it's fine. You don't remember them. Yeah, you don't even need to think about them. <laughs> the more you have, the less you remember them. <laughs> I so they have their they have their one third prototype going right now. They yeah. they just had they just invited these companies to to launch some stuff. Seems like yep. everything went well. What's the timeline for this? Yeah, like I said, 2026 is when they plan to have the full 100 meter size one. But if if you've seen the images of the 33 meter one, Mm -hmm. and it already looks insane. Like the idea of having one three times that size, it's just bonkers to me. It's stupid. Um, It feels like going to visit the world's largest rocking chair. Do you know what I mean? It really does. It doesn't look like a high-tech piece of equipment. It really it's doesn't. Just it's just a stupid <laughs> thing that shouldn't be there is what it looks like. Exactly. It's so cool. And it's too um, big. It's like bigger than it should be. Like, I'm just looking at it. I'm looking yeah. at the pictures of the people standing in front of it, and I'm just like, that's stupid. Yeah. Look at this dumb disc. I mean, it looks like like something you'd put Hot Wheels into or something, you know? Like the, It does. It has it around, and it'll shoot right out. It has an orange loop-de-loop feel about it. <laughs> Uh, but they've raised, uh, I guess, like over $70 million of uh, venture capital funding for their next round. And and like, this is happening. You know, it's happening. It, they prove that it works. Uh, you know, it's like, it's it's pretty wild. This is going to revolutionize state fairs everywhere. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, listen, and I, I mean, just, just in terms of, I think, maybe... Well, certainly bang for your buck, but also safety. I don't know if you've ever seen like when one of those Gravitrons or zippers, when it starts making the noises, like it's definitely going to fucking bust. Yeah. Like a, like a bad, uh, clothes dryer. Yeah. It's like, and like you hear it and they shut (laughs) down the zipper and they're like, okay, everybody go, go home right now and pretend you were never at this fair. And like, (laughs) (laughs) like, I feel I feel if they're not using carbon fiber now to revolutionize the carny industry yeah. and the state fair industry, they are missing a huge opportunity, a huge opportunity. I feel like the carny state fair industry is always the last to get it though. You know what I mean? <laughs> I feel like the, what like I've always right heard, the cutting edge. no, what I've always heard is the technology either trickles down from NASA or the state fair. It's either NASA, yeah. the state fair, or uh, military, and then it trickles down into consumer hands. If you yeah, think that's about how we the, got the internet, yeah. If you think about the number of things that we use every day that came yeah. from that swinging pirate ship, zippers. What do you think that came from? That came the from zipper. the zipper. <laughs> think about it. It's, the, it's right there in the name of the ride, the gravitron. Think yeah. about it. Think about how many things you do every day. We didn't have washing machines until somebody built the gravitron. Did you know that? Dryers. I did. Washers and dryers, mm-hmm. we didn't have them. Yeah. And then somebody was riding the Gravitron and they were like, what if we turn this vertical and put clothes in it? <laughs> yeah. And uh, the guy who was working was, it. That, that person? Bill Dryer. Think about very it. Strange, very strange coincidence. Wow. Wow. 
Really makes you think. <laughs> uh, I think this is wonderful. I'm looking forward to 2026. Uh, where where are they launching these things? Where are they located? It doesn't say where the launch happened. Uh, let me see if it mentions it here in the article. They said, it's from, they said they're from Long Beach, right? Yeah, they're based in California. They, they, they're facilities in Long Beach. But, oh, it's New Mexico. They, Of course it was New Mexico. Of course it's New Mexico. Spaceport America in New Mexico is where the launch was. Oh, Spaceport America is the second biggest spaceport in the Southwest, and they have an Auntie Annie's pretzels. Yeah, well, I guess. And one of the last- How else going to feed the engineers? And one know? of the last FYE for your entertainments. <laughs> Does that still exist? Yeah, at the spaceport, the great American spaceport. <laughs> um, <laughs> Very cool. I wonder if they are, I wonder if you can, if you can like sign up to go watch one of those launches. I saw they had a crowd in front of it. Yeah. They had 150 people there at the, at the last one. So I'm going to see if we can see, I'm going to go see if we can see one of those launches. I want to watch him. I want to watch him throw something into space. Yeah. I'm going to tweet at him. I'm an influencer. (laughs) Do they have, do they have influencer passes to the space slingshot? (laughs) <laughs> or any or any coupons for Auntie Annie's pretzels. <laughs> that would be cool. You should be like, hey, I want to sh- pitch you an idea. Watch something get flung into space. Get a free Auntie Annie's. You know, it's a win-win. It's a win-win-win. Plus, it's your 11th launch next time, so it's free. You're making money on this. You are. Uh, thanks, Mark Nuffer, for sending this in. Yeah. Very fascinating story. Uh, if you want to see more stories like this or suggest some stories or just share some stories that you've seen recently with like-minded folks, other concerned citizens, best place to do that is on the Discord. And the way to get access to that is to head to patreon.com slash wehaveconcerns and support us for just a dollar a month or more. And remember, as you uh, support at higher levels, you get more for your money, including bonus episodes, extra videos, and early episodes. So check it all out at patreon.com slash we have concerns. Now, if you launched pretzels out of that. <laughs> oh man, right into my mouth. <laughs>